Welcome to my Parsha Shir. Today we are going to be talking about Parshas Teruma. This Parsha Shir is sponsored by Ruth Cooper in memory of her late husband, Gershon Cooper, Zichroni Levrocha, whose yard site is on the 15th of Shvat. May his Neshama have an Aliyah. May we all be Zoycha to see Tchias HaMesim. Parshas Teruma opens up a new chapter in the lives of the Jewish people. For the first time, we are introduced to the idea of creating a holy space, a sanctuary, for us to treat as a sacred space, a house of God. The opening posuk of Parshas Terumah includes the instruction for Moshe to tell the Jewish people that he would need them to give materials for the construction of this sacred sanctuary. The Yikhuli Terumah, says the posuk, and they should take Terumah for me, meaning God. The use of the word, of the verb, ve'yikhu, and let them take, is very intriguing. The verb that should have been used is ve'yitnu, and let them give. Ve'yitnu would have been far more appropriate. So why did God choose the word ve'yikhu as the verb to instruct the Jewish people to contribute to the Mishkan campaign? That's the question. The commentaries all agree that this choice of word carries a profound lesson about the nature of giving and the true ownership of wealth. Using the word vegikhu suggests that when we donate to a holy cause or to charity, we're not parting with our possessions. On the contrary, we're taking something far more valuable for ourselves. After all, when we finally depart from this world and into the next, what are we taking with us from everything that we have accumulated? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Actually, it's not entirely true because when we give charity, the act of giving transforms our material assets into spiritual assets that will accompany us beyond this life. Unlike worldly possessions which we cannot take with us from this world, the acts of charity and contributions that we make become a part of our eternal legacy. In this way, the Torah teaches us that true acquisition comes not from what we keep for ourselves in this world, but from what we give away. Whatever we give in this world is transformed into what we take with us into the next world. This beautiful idea highlights the eternal value of generosity and selflessness. The Darsh Modre quotes a beautiful pshat that he heard in the name of Reb Shlomke Zviller. Reb Shlomke Goldman of Zvil, known affectionately as Reb Shlomke Zviller, was the first top-tier Hasidish Rebbe to move to Eretz Yisrael. He was a scion of a distinguished lineage of Hasidic leaders, born into the illustrious family of Reb Modre of Zvil, who was the, a grandson of Rabbi Chil Michel of Zlochev and the great-grandson of the Magid of Mezrich and Rabbi Shlomo of Karlin, Rabbi Shlomka was deeply rooted in Hasidic tradition, in the Hasidic tradition of his distinguished forebears from a young age and prepared for greatness. He was persecuted by the communist Russian authorities after the Russian Revolution and the Civil War and Rav Shlomka fled Ukraine in 1925 and found refuge in Poland. His following had been decimated and dispersed, and even in Poland he couldn't find safety. He was arrested, 
but eventually he was released and he was able to find his way to Palestine, to Eretz Yisrael, arriving there in 1926. Once he was there, Reb Shlomka decided to discard his elevated status, and he told no one who he was. Instead, he masqueraded himself as a simple Jew called Shlomka Goldman. Then, one day, a chassidish yid from Russia who was visiting, he'd known Reb Shlomka as the Zvila Rebbe, he spotted him on the street in the old city of Jerusalem, and he told everyone who he was. People started flocking to Reb Shlomka, turning him back into the revered and celebrated Zvila Rebbe. Now, in Yerushalayim, Reb Shlomka's home became a center of chesed and stoker, and people asked him for blessings, and he became renowned for his piety, for his humility, for his profound dedication to Torah study and to prayer. Reb Shlomka was particularly noted for his compassionate approach to everyone who, who came to him for help. He offered them words of wisdom, he offered them words of solace to those in need, and he was always giving people the help when they needed it. During the Second World War, as the Nazis under Rommel marched steadily through Egypt towards Eretz Yisrael, Reb Shlomka went to pray at the graveside of the Orachim HaKodesh. And when he finished praying, he turned to those who were with him and he told them that the Jews of the Holy Land would be safe and the Nazis would never invade. And so it was. Reb Shlomka died in ER 1945, just before the end of the Second World War. And he was buried on Harazesim. His granddaughter, Batsheva, was married to Reb Eliezer Adler of Los Angeles, who died at the incredible age of almost 98 in 2007. He was known as the Zvila Rebbe of Los Angeles. Anyway, this is what Reb Shlomka's villa has to say about the Vayikhu Vayitnu anomaly. The Mishneh Maseches Shabbos of Nundalad Omad Base discusses the prohibition relating to animals owned by a Jew carrying items on Shabbos that they happen to be wearing in a public domain. And even seemingly tiny items are forbidden for them to carry on Shabbos. The Mishnah ends with a strange statement. Rebbe Azaria's cow would go out on Shabbos without a strap, sorry, with a strap between its horns, contrary to the will of the sages. In other words, despite the fact that the majority opinion the halacha was that a cow should not have a strap tied between its horns on Shabbos and roam around in the public domain. Rabbi Nazaria's cow apparently did just that, seemingly in defiance of the accepted halachic norm. The Gemara on this Mishnah questions the story, coming at it from the strangest angle. The Chada Para Havoyale? Did Rabbi Nazaria only have one cow? We heard from Rav, and some say it was Rav Yehuda in the name of Rav. Rabbi Lozben Azari would tithe 12,000 calves from his herds each and every year, which means that there were 120,000 cows born in his herds annually. In other words, there is no way that Rabbi Loza ben Azari had just one cow. So what in heaven's name is the Mishnah talking about when it says Rabbi Loza ben Azari's cow? He had thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of cows. The Gemara answers as follows. Tana, 
לא שלוי הייסה, אלא של שכנתוי הייסה. ומתוך שלוי מיכה בו נקרס על שמי. Apparently, the cow in question didn't even belong to Rabbi Lozman Azariah, rather it was his neighbor's, his neighbor's wife maybe. But because he did not protest the cow's conduct when it went out with the strap between its horns, and he didn't tell his neighbor's wife that this is forbidden, the cow is cited in the Mishnah as having been his, it's, to his discredit, even though it wasn't his. It's as if it was his, as if it belonged to him. Says Rav Shlomka's villa, can you even understand the implications of the spiritual impact this cow had on the legacy of Rabbi Lozab and Azariah? He owned hundreds of thousands heads of cattle, but that means nothing in terms of what we remember about him. Who cares? What we care about is the one cow that belonged to his neighbor, that impacted his spiritual legacy because he failed to prevent its owner from committing Chilul Shabbos, from desecrating Shabbos. That is the message of V'yikhu V'yitnu. You think that what you own in material terms is important, but in the span of time, of space, no one cares. The only thing that matters is what you did with your material wealth to improve the world in your own time and for all time. Who helped? An orphan, a widow, a shul, a yeshiva, a hospital. You saved a life. You used your resources to make the world a better place. That is the only asset you are taking with you beyond your own lifetime. And there's a broader message here. The narrative of building the Mishkan is not just a historical account. It's a plan for constructing a life of meaning and purpose. The materials for the Mishkan were varied and extensive, symbolizing the very diverse contributions that each individual brings to the community, to a community. Just as the Mishkan required gold, silver, copper, and a variety of woods and fine fabrics, our communities and families thrive on the varied talents, resources, and energies of their members. Everyone brings something else to the table in terms of personality and contribution. And what endures is not the bric-a-brac of life that one accumulates, but instead it's the positivity and the value added that one brings via what we do for others and with others. That is the net result of a life well lived. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs would often say that the idea of the construction of the Mishkan represents the ideal of sanctification of space and time. Just as we build physical spaces for holiness, we are also expected to carve out sanctuaries in time, moments dedicated to spiritual growth, learning, and connection with the divine, and also with those in need. Every Shabbos spent in sanctified time, every moment spent in prayer or learning, every minute devoted to helping others becomes a mishkan in time, a testament to our commitment to elevate our lives beyond the mundane and to leave a lasting impact that is not fleeting and over before it's even started, before it's even begun. Another side to the mishkan endeavor is the collective effort to build a sanctuary which underscores the power of community. The Torah specifies that the truma should be taken from every man whose heart moves him. This inclusivity highlights the importance of every contribution, no matter its size. In our times, this teaches us the value of unity and collective action. Whether building a physical structure, supporting a communal project, or coming together in times of need, 
Our strength lies in our togetherness. We need that unity of purpose. Just knowing that we are part of something that is unified, that symbolizes togetherness, is in and of itself a help to us, getting us to be better and to be more productive. Just like the story of Rabbi Loza ben Azariah and his neighbor's cow, we must learn that our actions leave a lasting legacy, not for negative, but for positive. It's not the material wealth we accumulate, but the impact of our deeds that endures. In the context of the Mishkan, every donation, every effort made in sincerity will ensure legacy of holiness and divine presence among the people. Similarly, our acts of kindness, charity and support for holy causes create ripples through time, influencing generations to come. Parshas Truma and the construction of the Mishkan also teaches us about the concept of Hidur Mitzvah, beautifying a commandment, the meticulous details and the quality of materials used for the Mishkan show us the importance of performing mitzvahs with care, with devotion and with utmost beauty. This principle also extends beyond the physical beauty of mitzvahs to the beauty of intention and of spirit with which we perform them. Rabbi Shamshan Raphael Hirsch offers a range of profound insights into the symbolism of the Mishkan and its vessels. Rabbi Hirsch viewed the Mishkan and its components not merely as physical entities, but as symbols laden with ethical and spiritual lessons for the individual and community for all time, far outlasting their physical presence in the Mishkan itself. For a moment, let's explore the symbolism behind some of the key objects in the Mishkan as outlined by Rabbi Hirsch to see how they can guide us in our spiritual journey. The Aron Habrit, the Ark of the Covenant, containing the Luchas, the Luchot, the Tablets of the Law, represents the Torah's centrality in Jewish life. The Keruvim, on top of the Aron, with their faces turned towards each other, and wings spread upwards symbolize the dynamic relationship between God and Israel and the Jewish people. Rabbi Hirsch teaches us that the Torah is not just to be kept in an ark, but is meant to guide every aspect of our lives. The dialogue between the cherubs, the keruvim, reflects the ongoing conversation and relationship we are to have with the divine through studying and living the Torah. The menorah, with its seven branches, represents light, wisdom, and divine presence. Rabbi Hirsch emphasizes the importance of spreading divine light into the world. Each of us is called upon to be a source of spiritual illumination, using our unique talents and abilities to enlighten others. The menorah's light also guides us on our personal paths, helping us navigate the challenges of life with wisdom and with moral clarity. The table with the showbread symbolizes physical sustenance and divine provision. Rabbi Hirsch saw in this a reminder that all our material blessings are gifts from Hashem, from God, and should be used in service to Him. This teaches us gratitude and responsibility, encouraging us to share our blessings with those in need and to recognize the sacred in our everyday lives. The altar, the Mizbeach of incense, with its fragrant offerings, represents prayer and spiritual aspiration. Rabbi Hirsch interprets this as an admonition to elevate 
our desires and our actions through sincere prayer and connection to God. It reminds us that our words and our intentions can ascend like incense, creating a fragrant offering that pleases Hashem. The outer altar, the outside Mizbeach, used for animal sacrifices, symbolizes self-sacrifice and devotion. Rabbi Hirsch teaches us that true service to God involves personal sacrifice, setting aside our ego and personal desires for the sake of higher spiritual goals. The aspect of the Mishkan, this aspect, encourages us to examine our lives and consider what we are willing to sacrifice for our values and our beliefs. For Rabbi Hirsch, the Mishkan and its vessels serve as a blueprint for a life dedicated to spiritual growth and ethical living. Each object within the sanctuary carries a message about how we are to conduct ourselves in the world. We may find other messages in each of the vessels. We, we can look into it and look for our own messages. With equally aspirational and uplifting messages to the ones Rabbi Hirsch has suggested. That's fine. We can take the idea of Rabbi Hirsch and run with it. The important thing is that by internalizing these messages, we can transform our lives into sanctuaries, into mishkans, into places where the Divine Presence can dwell. Rabbi Hirsch's interpretation of the Mishkan teaches us that Judaism is not just a religion of rituals and laws, but a comprehensive guide for living a meaningful, ethical and spiritually rich life. The Mishkan reminds us that every aspect of our existence, from our most spiritual moments to our most mundane daily activities, is an opportunity to connect with Hashem, with the Divine, and to live according to the values and teachings of the Torah. A story that beautifully encapsulates the themes of Parshas Truma and the profound lessons of generosity, divine service, and the sanctity of contributing to a holy cause can be found in Hasidic folklore. This story reflects the values and spiritual insights that are deeply rooted in Jewish tradition and in Jewish thought. It's about the Hasidic master, the Rebbe, the Blev Yitzchok of Breditschev, who was known for his deep love and advocacy for the Jewish people. The Blev Yitzchok of Breditschev was once walking through the streets of his little town in Breditschev, and he noticed a young boy crying by the side of the road. Moved by the sight, Rabbi Blev Yitzchok of Breditschev approached the boy and he asked him, Why are you crying? The boy, through his tears, explained that he had been saving a coin for a long time, intending to donate it to the fund that was going to build the town's new synagogue. It was a project that had inspired the entire community. But after finally deciding to bring his precious coin to the rabbi and to contribute to the synagogue's construction, he had somehow lost it along the way. And he was looking for it everywhere and he was crying because he'd lost the coin. Rabbi Yitzchok listened intently, his heart filled with compassion for the young boy's distress. And he comforted him. He said to the boy that his intention had been to give this precious coin to Hashem. As, and it was as good as the actual giving. He didn't give it, but it was good. And he reached into his pocket and he pulled out a coin and he gave it to the boy. And he said to the boy, you know, maybe go to the shul and give this to the shamus there and say that you want to give this coin. But the story doesn't end there. That night, Rabbi Yitzchak had a dream. And in his dream, he ascended to the heavens and he saw that the celestial 
Beis Hamikdash in Shamayim was missing one brick, and the angels were sticking that brick, this missing brick, into the wall of the Beis Hamikdash. And the angels explained that this brick represented the boy's lost coin, which was so filled with pure intention and love for the divine commandment of giving that it ascended directly to heaven and became part of the eternal sanctuary. I believe Yitzchok woke up from his dream. He was so moved. He understood that the value of a mitzvah lies not in its monetary value, in its worth as coin, but in sincerity and devotion with which it is performed. The boy's lost coin offered with pure heart and noble intention was more precious in God's eyes than the largest of the donations that have been given, but without the right feeling. This story serves as a powerful illustration of the themes in Parshas Truma. It teaches us that when we give, whether it be time, resources, or effort, for the sake of a mitzvah or a holy cause, it is the purity of our intention and the love in our hearts that truly counts. Just as the materials for the Mishkan were given by everyone whose heart steered him up to come to do the work, our contributions to holiness and community are valued not by their size, but by the spirit in which they are given. Rebbe Yitzchak's dream reminds us that every act of giving, no matter how small it may seem, has the potential to go up to the greatest of spiritual heights and contribute to the building of a sanctuary for God, both in this world and beyond it. This story beautifully complements the lessons of Parshas Truma, encouraging us to approach every opportunity for generosity and service with a whole heart, knowing that our sincere intentions have an eternal impact. We're going to leave it here for today. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. If you're on SoundCloud, thank you, thank you.